Thank you, my dear, my dear sister, for this impressive biblical. I have been so blessed just by following, praying together with those prayers here. God has gifted your, um, the way you all have used these means of grace has been a blessing, even when I hear you, you all pray. Now, today, we are going back to part two, and by God's grace, I'll be able to finish the Lord willing that exposition. And let us go back to Matthew chapter 4. And I know before I read, I'm not going to read the text of, of Luke, because I told you already why Luke gives you the description of the context. Matthew uh, focused on the calling of the Lord Jesus Christ to the disciples that represent the church in our calling as well. But today, doubtless, I'd like to, uh, to say thanks to the Lord, as my dear sister already prayed, for all the fathers and grandfathers in our midst, and maybe great-grandfathers, I'm one of them. And we're thankful for the Lord to give us this opportunity. But today, uh, by the way, this is not Father's Day in Brazil. In Brazil, it's been August. But then it means it's good for me because then I have two days to celebrate my day. Um, and, uh, but we are here to thank, mainly as my dear sister prayed as well, our Heavenly Father. Our Heavenly Father for sending His Son so that through Jesus we could be reconciled with Him. And together the Father has given us His Holy Spirit. And this is the greatest day also to celebrate in the Lord's Day, the day of our Heavenly Father as well. And especially also for sending His Son. And we really have a family business when you talk about redemptive history. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And this is for our introduction before I read, but I have something for the children before I'm going to read again, Matthew 4, 18 to 22. And for the children is this. I hope that you're, I'm going to show something to you. If I remember later, I promise something that I hope I'll remember later, uh, within maybe five or 10 minutes. Uh, I'm going to sing a song that probably all of you know, grew up learning, the, the adults here know, and the children as well. And I'm going to tell you how we should sing that song from now on. You have to change one thing in that lyrics. And this is the one, remember? I will make you fishers of men, fishers of men, fishers of men. I will make you fishers of men if that's the problem. If you follow me, if you follow me, and I'm going to show you later why if is a problem. And you can change it. You just keep singing, but just take the if, and I'm going to tell you why. Then let us read the infallible, inerrant, Inspired, invincible, sufficient and efficient, the word of the living God. I told you, read the Bible in slow motion. Seeing, thinking, feeling, praying, 
asking for the illumination of the Holy Spirit. And let us remember Jesus by the Sea of Galilee had preached to a multitudes. Now he's dealing with the four of these disciples when he sent them to set to 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 fish. And by the way, just for you to remember, I think I told you that. But every time the Bible talks about fishing in the Bible, he's not thinking in terms of a hook, but of a net. And we're going to understand why. A net and a big, huge net from the boat. And this this was not these were not small boats. The boat that could uh, put twelve men in it. Just for you to have the picture here. But anyway, this is what we read in the Bible. While I hope you picture. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I'll make you fish of men. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of ZBD, and John, his brother, in the boat with ZBD, their father, men in their nets. And he called them, we assume, said, follow me, I'll make you fish of man. And immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Father, may the meditation of our hearts and the words of my mouth be pleasing to you. In the name of Jesus, for the sake of your glory, the edification of your people and the motivation for us to go across the street and around the world to proclaim this good news of the Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray and wait. Amen. Keep your Bibles open. And I have already said that I have set po seven points. And today I'm going to give you the other four. Last summer, last Sunday, I my emphasis was on the first question, why, what was Jesus doing? And we realized that it was not simply walking by the Sea of Galilee, was recruiting people. And I told you, my friend, wherever you go, follow Jesus. There's no problem to go to the beach. But what for? I hope that you go to get some vitamin D to, to, to see what God created to fill the sun. But above all things, to have an opportunity to seek for those who are still lost by the beach. That otherwise you're not going to find anywhere else sometimes. And secondly, I told you the second question that we dealt with last, last week, last Sunday, was really, who is Jesus calling? And I told you that the disciples here always represented this, the church, the followers of Christ, and the multitudes represent the lost. And when I went for this question of who is Jesus calling here, and I told you just when you begin to study their lives, you begin to see that Jesus called people like you and me. There's nothing extraordinary in us, but only in Jesus. Last night, I was in a Zoom for my presbytery in Brazil. About every, every month, I have one meeting with all of them. And for one or two hours. And they always give some, some, uh, some topics. And they suggested last time for, this, for last night was the imperfections of a pastor. I said, who is going to begin to mention them? But uh, the point is really the Bible is, is telling us we are all insufficient. 
Jesus said, without me, you can do what? Nothing. Nothing is nothing. Without Jesus, nothing. For Jesus, nothing. Only in Jesus and through Jesus. And you know that these men are people like you and me. Praise God for that. Don't say, I can never do that, my friend. You can't anyway. But through Jesus, things can happen. And the third question I brought you as was what were they doing? And we began to see they were fishing, just exercise their work. And we realized that Jesus looked for people everywhere, wherever they are. And I hope that we are like Jesus. Wherever we are, we're praying for the Lord to give an opportunity to meet people, to know people, and to tell them about Jesus anywhere. Of course, being wise, I tell many people who in the church, they, they are workers, and I say, listen, Pray for the Lord to give an opportunity to work, to reach out for people. But please, remember, you're going there to work. Be wise. Don't take your time that you have to do things to say, now I'm going to preach to them. No, just pray. Look for the opportunities. Look for the moment to talk with them and to share the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ wisely. Wisely. But now I have for my, come to my fourth question this morning. And by the way, today I have to finish this anyway, because uh, this coming week, just pray, just pray. This coming week, I'm going to uh, to Brazil, and I'm going to have for 10, 10 days uh, attending my father and my mother's 70th wedding anniversary and preaching there and, and speak for some church, for one church and the presbytery and, and flying also to another state in Brazil and then come back. To USA, pray for me and pray for them, and especially because I know my country now reports about 500,800 people dead, according to them, with COVID 19 and a lot of lockdowns in my country. But I need to go back because I have not seen my parents for more than a year. I used to go six times or seven, but because of the pandemic, I cannot, I could not go. But just pray for them. But anyway. Now let us go. Therefore, I, my point is that I have to finish these other points now. Uh, now, let us, the, 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 the fourth question that I have for you is when you come to verse 19. You come to verse 19 and by Jesus, the Bible says, And Jesus, and he said to them, Follow me, and I'll make you fishes of man. I want to stop here. Because I have a few questions just on this particular statement here. And the first question, I know every time we see this statement, we always think about what we're going to do. Oh, Jesus called us to be fish of man. But I'd like to call attention to the word or to the personal pronoun in the middle of that statement. Follow me, and I will make you fish of men. And my fourth question is this, that we have to consider who is calling these people? Who is calling us? It's not the church, my friend. It's not the presbytery. The presbytery and the church just recognize this calling. Who is calling us? Who is calling them? And this is what I would like to pay attention here. 
These people didn't make themselves fishes of men. Jesus made them. And I'm not mad at you. First and foremost, the emphasis here is Jesus giving emphasis on his sovereignty. Everywhere. Go to the end of the gospel. Matthew 28. All authority, all power has been given to me. Therefore, heaven gone make disciples. The first emphasis here is in the caller and the commissioner. I will make you. Jesus is calling attention to his glorious sovereignty. We don't make ourselves. We are not really these great servants. We have been saved and called and empowered and sent by the great Savior and Master, the Lord Jesus Christ. Your calling came from Him. Follow me and I will make you fishes of men. Therefore, I tell people, followers of Christ, fish of man. If you are not fishing, you are not following. Christ is not. You don't belong to Jesus. And this is one of the evidence that we are followers of Christ, that we have been called by Christ. Pay attention. The calling here is not of the church, not of the presbytery, not of a friend. We, the Holy Spirit, convict us, regenerate us, convict us of this calling. The church, the body of Christ, recognized your salvation. The church does not save you, as the Roman Catholics want to do. Jesus saves you. The body of Christ recognizes it. And there are evidence of the salvation. And the same thing for calling to be a minister. The presbytery recognized the calling. The people around you begin to see that God has a call for you, specifically inside the church for some office. But the caller is always Jesus. And by the way, it is an effective calling. And that's my first thing. Remember who is calling you. The one who calls you is the one who has the power to empower you. Is the one who says, I'll be with you. Do not be afraid. Call here is the Lord Jesus Christ. The one who sent the church is Jesus. But I have another, and by the way, we could think more about who Jesus is, but then we'll build the Christology. I will not have time now to do Who is the one who is calling us? That's the one who has all authority. That's the one who was sent in this world to die on the cross to pay for our sins so that we may be forgiven, have a new life, reconcile us back with the Father for the glory of the Father. John 17 in his prayers. That's the Lord Jesus, to whom all power in heaven and earth has been given. And Revelation says, he is the one who rules over the rulers, over the kings of the earth. That's the one who calls us. King Jesus. Each one of us. Now I have two questions yet, based on this verse 19. And the question is this. Why did Jesus call them? Why did Jesus call us? Why? Not what for. Why did Jesus call 
And I have good news and bad news. If you think in terms of bad news, let me tell you something. Why did Jesus call them? Why did Jesus call us? Let me first tell you the why not. He didn't call you and me because you are the best in the world. He didn't call you and me because you are the holiest. He didn't call you and me because you are better qualified. Because you're poor or because you're rich, because you're black or yellow or white. He didn't call you because of Brazil and America. Although many times we think the Brazilians are going to, to, to finish the, the, the great commission of the Lord Jesus Christ. There was time they think, oh, the Americans are going to do it, the Koreans. No, my friend. We'll be here. This will be something from everywhere to everywhere. God's people are going to do it. Remember, Jesus didn't call you because you're better qualified. Because of your economic situation or even your academic qualifications. Not because of race. He didn't call you because of that. Praise God. Praise God. Some of us think sometimes that we are better than... Oh, how many times people think like this? You know, Brazilians think that way sometimes. We are better than the Africans. God can use us more than can use the Africans. Sometimes we have to think that way as well. We have more resources in America than any person in the world. Therefore, we are better to be rich out the world. We can train everybody and everybody to their own nations. No, my friend, it's everybody to all the nations. But why did Jesus call these people here? Let me tell you, I have good news, my friend. Why? You know why? Because, and I'm going to show you that's true because of this statement here. Jesus called you and me individually as a family, as a church, because he has a sovereign plan, a sovereign work, a sovereign mission in which each one of us will go to participate. He saved us to serve. A servant through whom others may come to believe. And by the way, I see that immediately in the statement when he says, follow me and I will make you a fish of men. Why? Because he has a plan and a purpose and a mission which all of us are going to participate as fishing people. Fish of men. And by the way, the moment you're saved, you have the blessing of salvation forever. But we are saved to serve our master by seeking others. And by the way, he saved us because we have a work to do. If you're not engaged in this work, you are not a follower of Christ. In Acts 1.8, he said very clear that, that, that you'll be empowered when the Holy Spirit will come upon you all and you all will be what? My witness. Jesus saves us to witness. The Holy Spirit came to empower us to witness. Why? Because there is a mission for the church. That's why in which you might participate. By the way, when you have a time during this week, read, meditate on John 17. That's the prayer of Jesus in John 17. Because he goes to Gethsemane, even during the night with the disciples, right after the, the Lord's Supper. He prayed and his prayer, he says three things at least. If you divide, it's, it's a very easy to outline prayer. 
to outline that prayer. Because the first part just says, Father, I came to this world to glorify you, and I glorify you by doing your work. Wow. And what is the work? Jesus says, I manifest your name to those that have given me, and they believed in your name. In other words, I glorified you by realizing the work. What was work? I saved those that you sent me to save. That's the best, the more biblical, the more gracious way to glorify the Father is by leading people to Christ. Said, Father, I glorified you by doing the work, which was, I gave the word to those that you gave me and they believed it. And then he says, now I pray for them. I pray for them, for the church. You know, so that, and he comes and says, Father, as you sent me, I send them also. In other words, you sent me to glorify you by realize, by realize your work. And now I'm sending them to glorify you by doing their work. And then he says, and I pray also for those who are going to believe by the word. Have you realized? I'm going to give it to you. By, by the way, my friend, you are saved. What a joy. You are saved so that you may serve the Lord in seeking others. To be saved and to grow in that salvation and to share that salvation so that they can see more people being saved and church being planted across the street and around the world. This is why he called you. Not because we're the best. We have more money. By the way, don't think that money finishes the task of world evangelization. Have you realized when Jesus said to those disciples, poor guys, 120 people says that to the disciples in Matthew 28. Now, having gone, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them. None of them came and said, okay, Lord, that's beautiful. But who's going to pay this? That's not the problem of money. I am speaking... About, I told you six to seven hours every week via Zoom to some pastors because I'm involved in search in some church planting movement in Brazil. And one church said, Dr. we have enough to pray to pay for a pastor, an associate pastor, but we don't have enough to support a worker, an evangelist, or another pastor to start a church planting somewhere. We don't have that. I said, shame on you. And since when the work of Christ depends on the money. But told them, let me tell you more. I told to the church. I said, let me tell you all more. Your church, the treasurer of your church may look at the budget and say, we don't have money. But the believers have. The members have. The members have. Something has to happen in our lives. Some transformation. So that you consecrate ourselves entirely to the work of God wisely. Because that's big, my friend. This is big. It's so big that when Jesus gives you the great commission, leave it clear, very clear that in this work, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are involved with. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that God was in Christ reconciling the world with himself. And gave us the ministry of the reconciliation. That statement of Jesus at the end of that prayer for the church in, Acts, in John 17. And repeated on John 20. As the Father sent me, I sent you also. Father, as you sent me, I sent them. 
In other words, we are saved. Why did he call us? Why did he save us? Because he has that mighty work in which we might participate to glorify the Father by bringing to the Father those whom the Father already gave it to the Son by the word preached, by the word shared. That's our work. That's the work of the church. That's our mission. Now, that's why he calls us. He has a work for us. And this is an evidence. Let me give you two evidence, at least, or three evidence, the Bible says. Peter says that, but that we are saved. One of them is that you know you have been purified by the Spirit. In other words, you know that your sins have been forgiven. Secondly, you want, this says Peter, you want to grow in the truth. And third, you love one another. And you love those not only who are already in the fold, but Jesus says we have all this not in the fold yet. Not in the fold yet. And someone who says, I have been saved by the Lord Jesus Christ and care less for God's people and care less for the work of Christ is an evidence he's not saved. Or he knows he's in disobedience. Begin to pray for the loss that you know already. Pray and pray for opportunities. I told you, God will show you that. I had another experience this week, but I'm not going to share because of my time here. Now, this is my sixth question. Why? My fifth question. Why? And the question is because has a sovereign work in which we might joyfully and powerfully participate. Sixth question. My sixth question. I'm getting there at the end. What for did, did Jesus save you and send you and me in the church? What for? What for did Jesus call us? What for? Not why, just why he calls us, but what for did Jesus call us? What for did Jesus call us? We know who called us. We know why. Now what for? And he gives you two things in this verse 19. Follow me and I'll make you fish of men. What for? First of all, so that we may be followers of Christ. In other words, it's not just that you go behind Christ, but so that we may be with Christ, being committed to the person of Christ. Being committed to the person of Christ. He's the one who has this sovereign plan in which all of us might participate. But first of all, we have to become committed to the person of Christ. Praise God for the means of grace that he has given us. But that's the first thing I'd like to watch for. Follow me. This is an irresistible call. An effective call to be committed to the person of Christ, to follow Christ. But what for? He says, follow me and I'll make you fish of men. It's not only a commitment to the person of Christ, but now a commitment to the mission of Christ, to the work of Christ. Follow me so that we may make him known across the street and around the world. And there are at least... Again, at least two more evidence that we are followers of Christ. We are following him. We are committed to him. We are here. It's not only to be behind him, but to hear him, to have communion with him, to have fellowship with him, 
to know his word, to pray to him, use all the means of grace to grow in that, in that intimacy with him, not only that, but be engaged in the work of Christ, commitment to the work of Christ. And by the way, by the way, you don't have a clue how much I love this picture, fishers of man. Have you realized that Jesus didn't call us to be hunters of men? That's a bad picture. Hunters of men means that you can choose your game. Okay, I like this kind of person. I'm going to hunt for them. I don't like this kind of person. I'm not going to share the gospel with them. By the way, there are some believers, unfortunately, that has that in their hearts. I want this kind of people in my church. Fishers of men, and remember, I told you, and by the way, and it's not with a hook, because a hook who can bought some kind of bait to get some kind of fish. Here he's talking about throw the net, and it's a big net, my friend, a net that they use in that boat that 12 men would carry, it was heavy. And you throw, and you throw the net, whatever comes into the net is a fish. And there are some fish there that say, Lord, I don't like it, but Jesus said, this is mine, not yours. This is a beautiful picture. Fishers of men. Fishers of men. From now on, the world is our mission field. Whatever we have, non-believers is our mission field. What makes a field a mission field is the existence of sinners, whether across the street or around the world. Now, I told in the beginning for the kids that I'm going to tell you to sing differently now when you say, I will make you face of man. Have you realized there is no if here? Jesus didn't say, come after me. And if you come after me, I'll make you face of man. No, my friend, he's talking about an, an effective calling. Now, next time you sing it, sing this way. I will make you fishers of men. And you follow me. And you follow me. And you follow, not if, as if depend on me. Once you're saved, you are saved so that you may grow in intimacy with Christ and committed to that work of Christ, which is fishing people across the street and around the world, Disciple, discipling those who believed, training some specific for leading the church and planting church. That's John, that's Acts 7, 14, the end, when the Bible talks about the mission of Paul and the others. Where they went, they went to the place preaching the gospel. Those who believe, they they disciple them. And among those disciples, he set apart some to train as leader of the church and plant the church. That's the work. That's the work that Jesus did himself. So that our commitment to Christ and our commitment to the work of Christ. And if you want to grow in that commitment and consecration to Christ. Use the means of grace that has given us. That's the only way for us to grow in the knowledge and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. To be with him. Always hearing him. Hearing him. Talking to him by prayer. Worshiping together with God's people. Worshiping him together with God's people. Telling others about him. Using and invest the resource has given us for the sake of his glory. Now let me finish here. The Bible says this, that immediately they left their nets. The other two immediately, listen to the word immediately here. 
And by the way, the Bible tells you where we fish people from and how we fish people. From the depth of the oceans of sin, from that deathness, from the darkness, and you fish them by the word shared. But now let me just finish with this. How did these disciples respond? How did they respond? How did they reply? What were, how did they react? And I hope and pray as I finish it tonight, this morning, that that will be our way to reply to the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says this. Once they heard Christ and the effective call of Christ, their response was, is how did they respond? The Bible says, first of all, immediately. Keep in mind this. This other verb is there in the text. Immediately. When we will start seeking people to tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ? When? I hope that right now, when you finish this worship service, you are going to a place, begin to pray for people that you already know are lost. And begin to pray for their salvation. For the Lord to take that heart of, of stone and put a heart of flesh. To pray like Paul prayed for the Israel. Lord, this is my prayer for Israel. Save them. And give an opportunity somewhere or another Lord, to tell them about you. Begin to pray for that. If you have children, friends, and uh, uh, parents, or or friends who you know are still lost. You have neighbors begin to pray for your neighbors that the Lord may give an opportunity immediately to tell, to talk with them and to know how they are in relationship with Christ. Because a man or a woman, anyone without Christ is living a life not worth living now and lasts forever. Christ is the life. I have told you in the first exposition I made here on Matthew 4, 12 to 17. How did they reply? Immediately, they began to do something. Secondly, the Bible says that when the Bible says immediately, means that at that moment, everything becomes secondary. Have you realized that? It's not that the boat was not important, but the boat now is secondary. By the way, they still use their boats. You know that. Just keep going, reading the gospel. But when the Bible says that left the boats and their parents, and they didn't even care for the amount of fish they had fished that day. What it means here is very simple. Once you're saved, my friend, everything is secondary. It's important by secondary. And you're going only to enjoy the things that are secondary when you put them as means by which God's going to be glorified. People are going to be saved with your money, with your job, whatever it is. Everything is secondary, my friend. Don't make your job your God. We are not in this world to work till we die. No, we are here to work, to sustain ourselves, to, to get involved in the work of Christ. Everything is secondary. They use the boat. But now it's secondary. It's always for the sake of the work of Christ, for the glory of Christ. Then you have to think in terms of your profession, your investments, your place, whatever you are. Everything is secondary because now I'm looking about to the Lord Jesus Christ and to the work of Christ. And I want to be my, the best as a doctor, as a pastor, as a preacher, whatever it is, for the sake of his glory. And my money is not mine. It's all is his. 
And I'm going to use according to the scriptures. And I want to know, Lord, how can I use and invest more in your kingdom for the sake of your glory? There's nothing wrong to get more money for the glory of God. If it's for yours, the Bible is really, if God has given you the ability to get money, get money for his glory and invest in his kingdom. That's the way you're going to enjoy all of this. And finally, let me tell you two things that, if, that impresses me very much with the response of the disciples. And I hope it will be our response here even this morning. One, what impresses me is not the reaction of the disciples because the main character here is not the disciples. What impresses me is the power of Christ. The power of Christ. And only those who have been saved have experienced the power of Christ. The effective power, the effective calling, the effective sending of Christ. But John Calvin, I didn't mention John Calvin, all my three expositions. Let me tell at least to the conclusion here. John Calvin is impressed and he says this, quoting here, the docility and the ready obedience of his disciples. What are we going to do now, from now on? I challenge you all and myself to get closer to the Lord Jesus Christ by the use of means of grace. Because the first is that, follow me, be with me, commit it to me, and I will make you face of man. Only those who are close to Christ can tell about Christ. Only those who are close to the Lord Jesus Christ are truly motivated to speak about Christ. By the way, I am the best person to speak about my wife and to be motivated to speak and to thank God for her life, for her commitment, for, him, for her beauty, whatever it is. Nobody else. Why? Because I am the person who is more intimate with her than anybody else in this world except the Lord Jesus Christ for 46 years, day and night. Now, if someone wants me to speak about my wife, I can speak. I hope and pray that we grow in that intimacy with Christ in such a way that you cannot help but say, as the disciples in the book of Acts, I cannot help but to speak the things that I have seen and heard. May the Lord bless each one of us.